Sometimes we need an assist, and today I get one from fellow coach Jay Rush, who joins us in the arena to serve up some dimes about overwhelm and discomfort. Welcome to Man in the Arena, your go-to podcast for all things related to health and weight loss for men over 40. Here we discuss strategies that will get you off the sidelines and into the game so you can achieve your optimal health. It's time to lead a legacy of longevity. My guest today is Jay Rush, who's a dynamic speaker, a certified life coach, and host of Reinventing Everything podcast. He's also launching a new offer called Elements of Reinvention, which I'm really interested in. And Jay, before we dive into the content, I want to learn a little bit more about this. So can you tell us what that's all about? Sure. I mean, the pressure's on dynamic speaker. You give me a large mantle. (laughs) That being said, the Elements of Reinvention... At its most basic, it's the distilled work of hundreds of hours of individual coaching and recognition of the same themes that came up over and over and over again. And it was my way of saying, how can I hand this to somebody that isn't prepared or comfortable with either the financial commitment or the time commitment to a full one-on-one coaching program? So the desire was to give somebody something that was palatable, that had some easy to understand basics of sort of coaching principles and self-coaching as we're familiar with it and a foundation that they can move forward from either without me or if they wanted to continue coaching with me or somebody else, they at least have that language. Nice. So you're just making this way more accessible, the one-to-one coaching stuff that you have more accessible to people who want to learn from you and apply this in their own life. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, by virtue of your own coaching, that sometimes coaching can be a long roundabout path. You know, and we let people tell stories for a very long time before we kind of get to the heart of it. And this is a way of sort of saying, okay, you want to go catch a fish? You know, here's the fishing rod and I can teach you how to use it better later. Nice. Nice. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about is just the value of coaching. You know, obviously as a coach, I love coaching. I believe in coaching. I know you're a coach, you believe in coaching. And so, you know, one of the things that I think is important for the listeners of this podcast to hear is just how beneficial coaching is. And I'll never forget when I was in university, I played university football and our head football coach actually taught a class that I was part of. It was basically, you know, the art of coaching, right? Now it's different contexts, obviously coaching athletes, coaching sports and that sort of thing. But one of the things that he spoke on, which I really loved, which was like every coach should have a philosophy. So, you know, as I talk to you, a fellow coach, I'm really interested to learn, like, what is your coaching philosophy? Yeah, what a great question. And when I saw it written down, I was like, oh shit, he's going to ask me this. <laughs> <laughs> I think my coaching philosophy, it's almost like I can define it by hindsight in the way I coach. I tend to be very direct. I think that's the beauty of coaching as I see it is that you can excise all the fluff and all the stories and all of the subjective criticisms and opinionation about the world around you and just get to the heart of the matter. And so as a coach, I feel like my job is to help people get out of their own way and quickly. I think there might be an underlying philosophy that this life that we have like in human form and on this planet, in this place and time is very unique and it's also very fleeting. Mm. And the time we spend wasting time and energy chasing the wrong things or trying to seek validation from the wrong things or trying to chase down happiness from things that don't deliver happiness, then it's a wasted effort. And so my philosophy to sort of just 
get to the heart of the matter, do it quickly. You might ruffle some feathers. You might make people uncomfortable, but that's the job. Yeah. And you coach men, right? Do you also coach women as well? I have a couple of female clients, but yeah, most of them are guys. Yeah. Okay. And so do you find that you know, some of them, they're blindsided by that? Like, Are they prepared for that? Do you kind of make that known or is it just like getting right to the heart of it? Yeah, I think it's half and half. I think some people, we get to talking and it's fairly evident who both people are and they're attracted to that naturally. I think I have blindsided some people. So I've started to be very careful about introducing like, hey, you know, like we're hitting it off now, but my job is not really to be your buddy, you know, it's to get you there. But I would say that it's almost like without the shock factor, sometimes the message doesn't hit home. And you also never know when you're going to shock somebody anyway. Like the things that we know as coaches, the insights that we have are so second nature that sometimes when we say something to somebody, it's like a punch in the face until they have time to think about it. So I think there's value in that. You know, I should say that I'm not out to hurt anybody's feelings or to, you know, paint somebody in a corner. It's always, you know, very compassionate. Yeah. There's intention there to help them. Yeah. And like you said, help them get out of their own way, but you need to be direct in order to get there. You do. And, you know, most times they're paying you a significant amount of money to do that. And so it's not a serve them if you're sort of beating around the bush. Totally. I love that. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today is to speak about, you know, common challenges because I also coach guys as well. So I'm sure there's some similarities there and whatnot. But one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is you have some really great tools that you teach. And the first thing that kind of came up, I was listening to your podcast, was your perspective on overwhelm. And so, you know, I was coaching a client the other day and he was talking about how crazy his work is and he's got a family situation going on. He's putting his house on the market. So he's got all these different things going on in his life. He's feeling really overwhelmed. And I think we can all relate to having this kind of experience at mm-hmm. some point of our lives. So I'm, I'm curious, how do you deal with overwhelm? And then how do you coach your clients when they're dealing with overwhelm? Yeah, I'm a great question because they do lead to each other. First of all, I mean, the way I coach is the way I coach my clients is the way I coach myself, which is, you know, fairly apt description. Overwhelm for me is it's the hamster wheel inside the head. It's indicative of someone that is not in action, but is instead in thought. Mm. And so overwhelm is the compounding of the perception of a lot of problems that need to be solved. And we're trying to do it in our head. And our head is wildly inefficient at problem solving. And so what I advise people to do is to compartmentalize first. And the best way to do that is get it on paper, write it all down. And we do that, you know, I'm sure you use a tool similar to like a thought download or something like that, right? And it's so important because our thoughts get crowded and priorities start to mingle and they start to bleed and they start to confuse us. And that's the nature of overwhelm. And once you can compartmentalize, like literally write down your 10 top problems and then write down the action plan to solve those problems. And by the time you've done that, the overwhelm is subsiding significantly. If there are other issues that are informing overwhelm, like fear and scarcity, then you can coach on those. But the action plan is essential. And it's the same thing I do for myself. And oftentimes, so I start with compartmentalization, I create the action plan. And then what I advise is be present for each action, right? We live a really hurried life and that also creates the context for overwhelm. This has to be done now. This is just as important as this, right? These are all lies we tell ourselves to get things done, to feel more efficient, to feel productive, to feel like we're valuable. 
right? And so if we can say to ourselves, hey, listen, not everything has to be done right now, but here's one thing I can tell you is I can't do everything at once. So when I'm doing a thing, I want to be present for that thing, right? And by virtue of doing that and being present, we put ourselves in a mindset where it doesn't feel like everything is happening at once. And what often happens is the priority that we assign to the other tasks tends to seep away a little bit, right? And we start to see the layers. The layers were flattened before. Everything's yeah. happening at once. Yeah. Right? And so after I've done that, I advise people, just stop, observe, and listen for a minute. See how the landscape has changed, right? You had 10 priorities before. Maybe you only have six now. You got one done. Maybe two of them are only critically important. How do you feel? You know? So- I mean, it, it seems fairly simple, fairly didactic, fairly mechanical, but the alternative is to stay in overwhelm in your head. Yeah. Once you know that there's a strategy, then you're choosing to be overwhelmed. And for the most part, I can't abide by that for my own life. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important to not confuse simplicity with effectiveness. Like, I think that's where it becomes really effective as you simplify what you are overwhelmed by. And you prioritize and you create daylight and space between all these different tasks. And so now you can kind of attack each one, right? And through taking action, you start to execute. And that's what you're saying. Then that overwhelm starts to loosen and you start to feel this momentum. And I think that's where we want to get to ultimately. And something as simple as writing things down, as simple as it might seem, is the most effective approach. So I love that. And I love how you've kind of, you know, in a way, compartmentalized it. You've given people steps that they can take. And I think that's the biggest takeaway ultimately. Yeah. I had a client say to me once, she was like, well, even writing things down is an action. And I was like, yeah, it's an action. Like, like once you're in action, you're present. When you're not in action, you're living in the past and the future. Yeah. So shifting gears here, I was listening to another episode of your podcast and it was all about embracing discomfort. And this is a central theme that shows up a lot in my coaching. And one of the things you said, which really stuck with me was, we can't cheat our way to personal evolution. Mm. And if we do, we miss out on the challenges that force us to rise to the occasion. We miss out on- I said that? Yes, you did. It was brilliant. <laughs> we miss out <laughs> on opportunities to grow. And I think this is such a great mindset that when we skip over these challenges, we're missing out on something. So my question to you is like, what are some examples you see of how guys avoid discomfort? Well, one of the ones that I assign to sort of like an aggressive kind of masculinity that we have in our culture is the idea of blaming our circumstances. I think blaming is a buffering or avoidant strategy that gets used all the time. And it's not just men, but men are very good at it. And men are good at it because we've been trained to avoid the experience of shame or guilt. And so we blame instead. I think blame, I think workaholism, I think exercise, you know, it's funny because work and exercise have very positive connotations in our culture, mm -hmm. but they can be used to drown out the noise, mm -hmm. right? And the noise is always the unresolved issue inside. And blame is usually the reflex to sensing the discomfort. It's the wolf at the door, right? And then blame is saying, if I let the wolf in, then I can make friends with the wolf, right? Or blame is the rejection of that. It says, I'm going to leave the wolf outside. I'm going to make it the problem and I'm not going to be able to sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of, so there's a guy following named Terry Real. He's a, like a psychotherapist in the Northeast of the US. And he was talking about how, you know, when we have emotions, it's this authentic connection to ourselves, right? That's what emotions are. This is how we're showing up. This is what we're authentically feeling. 
And he said that girls get knocked out of authentic connections. So in other words, they start to buffer. They start to learn to not feel their emotions at the edge of adolescence. So relatively later in life, whereas boys get knocked out of authentic connection at four years old, right? Yeah. So before they've even gotten to kindergarten, they're sort of taught to keep their mouths shut. Boys don't cry. Boys don't cry. I'll give you something to cry about, right? And obviously things are shifting. We're becoming more aware of this and future generations hopefully will not experience the same level of sort of, you know, emotional suppression as past generations. But, you know, that's where this discomfort comes from is we're not taught how to feel our emotions and express emotions, but we're taught to push them down. And so we see it show up all over the place, overeating, overdrinking, like you said, even seemingly positive things like overworking or overexercising. And so this is something that I think is so powerful in the coaching that we're doing is we're bringing attention to it and we're showing that there's an alternative way to sort of live and experience life. And I'm so happy that this work is now showing up because it it didn't in previous generations. So yeah, I mean, I think we've started to guess that something's missing in the dynamic, right? Because you have men that are terribly desperate and lonely and they're killing people and they're, you know, hurting people and they're dying and vast numbers and they're succumbing to alcoholism and drug addiction and things like that. And the idea that, you know, this is a theme that comes up quite a bit when I'm coaching men, especially alphas, is there is this subconscious belief that feelings are inefficient. Feelings don't get us to a solution to the problem. And I hear it said over and over again, and it mostly relates to like how men relate to their spouses and their wives and partners, right? Like, can't we just get to the problem? Why do you keep talking about the way you feel? And Whenever I hear that, I think my clients expect me to commiserate and say, yeah, you're right. Boy, that's super irrational, right? And every time I'm like, where do you see the value in that? And it just stops in short every time. Like, mm. I can tell they want to throw something when I say it. <laughs> but the whole point is maybe what we need to start thinking about emotions is that it's actually a superpower. And that maybe the place that we want to reach the next level is only accessible through emotion and through harnessing those and partnering with them and seeing them and feeling them authentically because repressing them and ignoring them has gotten us to this point and we're not in a very good place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The proof is in the pudding and you know, how happy are you? And you know, what do you do? Where do you go to feel happier in the moment, right? Usually it's not a positive experience ultimately. So what words of wisdom as we close out here, do you want to share with people who are listening to this a golden nugget, if you will, something that they can take away and sort of ponder as they go throughout the rest of their day? I think that if I had to boil it down to just one thing, it's that happiness is a false bill of goods. Fulfillment is the goal. And fulfillment only comes from diving in to discomfort and fear and uncertainty and recognizing those things as the opportunities for growth that they are. I love that. We're on the same wave like Ben. That is gold. I cannot thank you enough for being on this podcast today. Jay, where can people find you? How can they connect with you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah. Thanks, Craig. I really appreciate the opportunity too, man. It's always nice talking to you. And talking to you, we are on a men's group together on Tuesday mornings too, and we talk quite a bit there. 
People can find me on Instagram at jrushcoaching. They can find me at my website, jrushcoaching.com. The group program starting in June is called the Elements of Reinvention, and that's under Elements Program on my website. And then finally, my podcast is called Reinventing Everything, and that's available on Apple or wherever else you can find podcasts. Good stuff, man. Well, thank you again. And yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Craig. Talk soon, man. If you're ready to step inside the arena and change the trajectory of your health, head on over to thespearmethod.com and download my free guide to learn simple and effective strategies on how to optimize your health today.